If you've got your Bible with you today, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. Let's take a moment this morning to pray. Father, we do thank you now once again for your presence. And as we approach your word, we look to you for direction, for instruction in righteousness, for answers to questions, for help, for relationships. Lord, give us wisdom and answers and help now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we started a couple weeks ago with this new series called The Making of a Marriage. Ready for some more? Okay, here we go. The making of a marriage. Uh, you might recall we've talked about why people should get married. We've talked about the commitment of marriage and how vital and important that is. And whether you're listening today and you're happily married or unhappily married or, uh, you know, divorced or you're single and you want to stay single or you're single and you want to get married or no matter what the case is, uh, these truths and principles uh, can apply to every person. And listen, even though some of the things I'm going to share with you today, I know they won't directly apply to every person uh, because you're just not kind of going through what we're talking about. But uh, you do know other people. And our lives, we're not supposed to be islands unto ourselves. We are supposed to be influential in this world. And uh, you have other people in your life that have questions, that need answers, that, that want God's intervention and help and direction. What are God's standards? What are His ways? How can we live up to them? And how can we experience His highest and His best in all of our marriages? Amen? And so get ready to get some good stuff. I, I, I was thinking about the beginning back in Genesis once again and how things got started. You know, there's some different stories going around about how things, how things really happened. You kind of have to read between the lines a little bit. But uh, I know uh, one thing that supposedly it went like this. Um, but Adam, of course, was, you know, all had all the animals. And, and then God brought him his wife. And uh, he was looking at Eve and he was just highly impressed. And uh, he thought, man, she is good looking. She is so beautiful. And he was talking to the Lord, and he said, God, why did you make her so beautiful? And, uh, and the Lord said, well, you know, so you would love her. And he went on. He said, she's just so, her hair is so nice, and, and her skin is so soft. Why did you make her so wonderful, Lord? And he said, again, same answer, well, so you'd love her, Adam. And he said, well, I do have one question, though, because I've noticed at times she can, you know, she can be kind of ditzy <laughs> and uh, a little airhead. And, and Lord, I was just wondering, why would you make her so dumb? <laughs> and the Lord said, so she would love you. How many ladies had already had rocks in your hands about to stone me? <laughs> put them away. Put them away. I'm on your side. All right, here we go. I want to deal with a subject today, not just marriage, but divorce and, and also remarriage and begin talking to you about the word of, what the Word of God has to say about that subject. And uh, I think it will be highly enlightening to some. I'm going to make some statements here today that... Some might consider controversial. Some, for 
For some, it will be a brand new approach and a new look and view. And I say that especially if you have a, a long church history, okay? Because there have been a lot of um, dangerous and harmful things taught about divorce and about those who have remarried and that have been very hurtful and has not really helped in, in situations, in marriages and in churches. And with some, uh, they've likened divorce to the unpardonable sin. And if a person has been divorced in some circles, they are from then on the rest of their life a second-class citizen, and they'll always have this weight upon them and this, this guilt that they can never rid themselves of, especially if they've, been, if they've been remarried in some circles. They're just really considered to be outcasts. And I want to see what the Lord's heart is on this. I want to have His mind. And some of it, I just think we should be rational. Again, I'm not, not to exalt our rationale above the Word of God. That's the final authority, but I don't really think they're different, okay? Again, sometimes um, people have made this so unforgivable and so unrepairable and everything else. Uh, in fact, some um, ministerial organizations and some churches, uh, if a person has been divorced at any time in their life, of course, they are forever unqualified then to serve in their organization. They can't be, they can't hold ministerial credentials and so forth. And however, if they were to murder someone, uh, that would be okay. I mean, not they wouldn't condone that, but of course, if a person served their time and got out uh, and they, you know, they repented, well, they would then be able to be uh, credentialed and, and, and hold the necessary uh, titles and so forth within the organization to be considered a minister. However, if someone was divorced that could never happen and I don't know about you that just from the start that seems a little bit out of balance to me it seems like well I'm not sure if that's if that's what God intended by some of the scriptures that were given concerning the subject okay and let's say for example you had a guy who who grew up and he grew up as a as a, didn't know the Lord as a heathen not walking with the Lord and and in through his uh, through his years he was very immoral sexually and just kind of you know slept with everything that moved kind of thing and and at one point uh, he came to the Lord gave his heart to Jesus and got saved born again he was just changed in a moment and ended up getting married had a good marriage sensed a call to the ministry and he might come before some ministerial uh, boards and and they would ask him about his past and he would tell them about how he was, but he got saved, and he's married now, and everything's good, and they would accept that, of course they should, and, and they would say, okay, you can continue on, and we'll uh, let you serve within our organization, but uh, let's say there was another guy who his background was a little bit different. Um, he grew up also not knowing the Lord, but had some high standards of morality, and uh, and so he kept himself pure in the opposite as, of the other person did. And at one point he met a, a, a young woman that he wanted to be involved with, but he had standards, and and they didn't even get in, they didn't get involved sexually before marriage. But they but they didn't know the Lord. It wasn't for that reason. They just had some standards in their life. They got married. Then after a couple of years, things really blew up, and and they ended up getting divorced. And this guy 
was, you know, it was hurtful and, uh, to his life. And, uh, you know, a short time later, he came to know the Lord as well, got saved, ended up remarrying, marrying a, a, another, another woman. And after that, he, he, he as well, just like the other person, sensed the call of God to the ministry. And so he went before this same organization, and they asked him about his past, and he explained. And they said, have you ever been divorced? And he said, well, yeah, actually I have. This was what, what happened, told him the story. How many know with these, some of these situations he would be declined? They would say, no, you can never. And again, I don't think that really makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, you look at their two lives and you think, is he really disqualified because he, made the, he, he had that one failure of a relationship? Whereas this other guy, man, he was crazy. If you really wanted to add things up, he did all kinds of stuff that was out of line with biblical standards, right? And yet he's standing up there, got the badge on, and, you know, he's ready to go. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I wonder, is that what the Lord meant? Is that what he intended to say when he uh, talked about these issues that we're about to read here in Matthew 19? Let's take a look. All right, verse 3, Matthew 19, verse 3. The Pharisees came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? What's the question? Can he get divorced for what? For any reason. He answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together let not man separate. Let's first of all look at who Jesus was speaking to. Uh, these are the Pharisees. They're not coming to him asking uh, for answers for their own spiritual edification. They're not looking for insights to improve marriages and, and to help other people improve their marriages. What are they doing? Man, these guys are testing him. They're trying to trick him. They're trying to get him in a, in a trap. And also, uh, again, they're trying to basically look for loopholes in the law. The, the Pharisees were notorious for being nitpickers. They were religious to the hilt, and that's not a compliment, all right? They were nitpickers looking for loopholes when it comes to marriage and all the different things. They had added all their traditions to the laws of God, and they come up with all new kinds of new sets of rules, and, and Jesus knows this. And I, I don't know if you ever respond differently to different people, but typically we do. If we know someone's coming from a certain position, will respond in the context of where they're at. Someone else we might respond differently because of where they're coming from. We need to know that when we read this, where these people are coming from, why they're asking, and that to some degree helps us understand Jesus' response. All right? But they had over time created big long lists of why people can get divorced. And they have come up with things like, well, if your wife's hair is messy in public, that'll do it. If, uh, if your wife burned the food last night, that would be a legitimate reason uh, to dismiss her and, and get divorced. Even to the extent that if she failed to tithe off the spices used in the meal 
Well, of course, that's breaking the law. And uh, so he could dismiss her for that and, uh, and be divorced. And it really came down to these guys had created so many things that were so far away from the heart of God, so far away from what God intended. And that's why they came to Jesus and they can, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Well, what's the answer to that? The answer is No. The answer is no. That, that, that's not what God intended. In fact, Jesus, he initially, I think, tried to avoid the question. He tried not to answer it directly. He said, doesn't matter. That's not how it was in the beginning. He said in the beginning, God made a male and female. This is how he wanted. This is his best. This is his plan. They were to come together, be made one flesh. And what God joined together, don't you separate. That ought to be the heart of every believer. That we want his best, we want his highest, we're not looking for a way out, we're looking for a way in. Not looking at a way of escape from situations, we're looking at how can I experience God's best and his fullness and his perfect plan for my marriage. Not looking for a reason, an excuse, well, she burnt the food, is that enough? You know, I don't like this about her, I don't like this about her, can I leave for that reason? We should not be looking for that. Listen, man, we serve a supernatural God. He's able to turn things around. He's able to take something that's bad and make it great. And things can be different, and that ought to be our heart. And as I speak about these things today, I'm not coming from this aspect where I'm going to try to encourage people to give up or quit or take the easy way out, even though I'm preaching a message of grace and forgiveness and hope for a future. My desire, and I'm convinced it's the Lord's desire, just like he immediately answered them, look at how God did this in the beginning. This is what he wants. This is his plan. Come together. Man, stay together. And let it be great. Let it be fulfilling. Let it be what God intended for your life. And so, again, they weren't looking for solutions. They were looking for a way to divorce. And I know many times that churches have been willing, people in churches have been willing to forgive almost anything. They'll forgive any sin that a person will commit. But if they, when it comes to divorce, oh, no, that's another story. That's, that's the big, big no-no. And uh, I tell you what, I really believe they're missing it in that. And uh, let's, let's continue to read here in verse 7. They pressed him on it. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you. Notice the language here, first of all. They said, why did Moses command? They're twisting the word. Moses didn't command. Jesus said, it's because of the hardness of your hearts that he permitted you. In other words, the only reason this had to come into being in the first place was because of hard-hearted people. Hard-hearted people are very difficult to live with. They're very difficult, much more difficult to be married to. And so because of hard-heartedness, people won't change, they won't bend. If, you don't, if you're not flexible, how many know you're stiff and you break? And people with hard hearts can never uh, alter any of their ways and their thoughts and their agendas and their motives. And so it makes a very difficult situation. Uh, but again, Moses wasn't commanding them. Jesus said, Moses permitted you. He allowed you to get out of these circumstances, and the reason he had to do that was because of your hard-heartedness. He said, uh, he permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it wasn't so. In other words, that wasn't God's plan. Divorce is not something he came up with. 
He said, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. All right? And let's stop, stop there for a moment. Um, but again, Jesus is answering the question, is it okay to divorce for any cause? And I believe that divorce should be the last resort. Okay? It should be something that uh, in extreme circumstances, after every effort has been made, um, to repair the marriage, uh, that only in those circumstances do people go that far. But first of all, understand this. In order for us to interpret the Bible correctly, we need to know, and this is with any passage, but who's talking, when are they talking, who are they talking to, all right? In this case, what question are they answering? But how many know, first of all, he is, Jesus is, has been pressed to answer their question about Moses permitting them to write a bill of divorcement, okay, certificate of divorce. So Jesus is explaining what Moses meant. He is accurately interpreting and explaining the law of Moses. How many know from the get-go here that we are not under the law of Moses? So what he is saying to them, he is not saying to us. What he is saying to them, he is saying for us. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are written for us. They're not written to us. The epistles are written to us, or the letters of the churches. They're written to us. This is for us. We are not under the law, so he is not even explaining what we are to do with marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and that kind of thing. All right. However, we can learn some things from this anyway. But it's important for us to note that from the beginning, there are some things written to New Testament believers, which we'll get into next week. Uh, but now we do want to analyze what the Lord said here and understand who he is writing to. Now, um, Jesus oftentimes would get to the heart of issues and not just deal with the regulation or the law. You remember back in... Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus dealt with a number of issues like he said, you've heard that you shouldn't murder. And he said, I say, if you get angry with your brother without cause, and it's the same thing, man, you're in danger. He said, you've heard that you shouldn't commit adultery. I tell you, if you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart. He deal with other things. He said, don't make vows. Just, man, just say yes or no and mean it. Don't add anything else to it. All right? He dealt with this, this issue in the same context about writing a certificate of divorce. He said, you're committing adultery. Now watch, you see what he's doing. He is, he is not making these statements as a blanket covering for all people of all time. He's not, now hold on, and keep your mind open to the things I'm saying. He is not telling every person who has ever been divorced that has remarried that they're living in adultery. That's not his intention. That's not what he's saying. First of all, that phrase living in adultery is not even what he said. He said they commit it. But it's, he's answering a specific situation, and just like these other people, he's, he's basically dealing with the heart and saying, man, you guys think... You're married and you see someone else and you think, well, I can just, Moses said, write a certificate. 
I can write it on a piece of paper. I divorce you, and you can just go be with someone else. You think that's the same? That's okay? He's saying you're doing the same thing as if you were just married and went out and had an affair. Because all they're doing is dealing with the technicalities of stuff. And say, I I got my piece of paper. She burnt the food, so here I'm going with this girl now. He's dealing with the heart and saying, it's no different. Just because you've fulfilled some regulation, you're no different than the adulterer. You just feel good about it because you got a piece of paper. But can you see the heart motive here is different than what many people have dealt with in their life. Does this apply to people today? I think it does apply. There are people who are doing the same thing. You may have done the similar situation, had a similar situation. When, you know, I, I kind of like her a little bit better than her. So, our laws in society today, no fault divorce. You can just go do it just like that. Go write out it on a piece of paper. See ya, and go to the next person. The Lord's saying that's the same thing. It's the same thing as you just committed adultery. That's the heart of this issue. But again, it's not something that is covering all people in all situations and circumstances and calling everyone who's been remarried, well, you're a perpetual adulterer now for the rest of your life. That's not true. Now think about it. Uh, we'll get into uh, more scriptures, but think about you, you got the 25-year-old man and he's been married for a few years and his wife, and not favoring any gender here, this is just my illustration, uh, but his wife picks up and leaves. Says, I don't want to be married to you anymore. And uh, maybe she's got, gotten involved with somebody else. I don't know. But she picks up and leaves. He, wa- he doesn't want her to go. He wants her to stay. He wants the marriage to, uh, to, to continue on. He wants to repair any problems that were. But she doesn't give him that option. She just says, no, I'm out of here. What do we do with that guy? Do we say, okay, well, sorry, bud, but... You are now, you're, you know, let's say you live to 100, you've got the next 75 years of your life to be single. That's just the price you pay. You took a risk, you got married, now she put you in that situation and she's cursed you the rest of your life. I don't think that's the heart of God at all. And again, I don't want to just uh, allow my logic to be our standard. I want to get the Word of God on this. But let's see if they agree. Let's, let's go on reading here. Verse 10, his disciples said to him, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. I mean, she burns the food and I still can't get rid of her? Man, I might as well not even get married. (laughs) All right, I'm just kidding with you on that. Uh, Verse 11, but he said to them, All cannot accept this saying. What saying? That the saying that it's better not to marry. He said, but only to those to whom it has been given. He went on and talked about eunuchs and so forth. But even in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul mentioned that certain people have a gift. Some people have a gift to remain single. In other words, they can be single all their life and not really give a rip. They don't really have a strong desire to be married. They're, they're satisfied. They're comfortable just being single, serving the Lord with all their extra time and everything. They don't have a deep desire to get married. And... Uh, that's okay. And Jesus said here, he said, some can do this. Some can accept that saying that it's just better not to marry. But he said, not everybody can. Not everybody who's gone through a, a bitter divorce can accept that saying. 
that it's better to remain single. Not everybody in all circumstances, varying things that they've gone through, can accept remaining single for the rest of their life. I know many in that situation. They've gone through some stuff. Some of it, of course, some, yeah, it was their fault. Others, wasn't their fault. Others, you know, a lot of situations, it was kind of their fault. But here they are. Can they accept the saying that it's better not to marry? They can't. So what should they do? Well, we'll get into some of this later, but with some proper guidelines, they can get married. Now, if some of this is new to some of you guys, I'm okay with that. Hold on. Don't pass judgment. Think about these things. Ponder them in your heart. And we'll give you scriptural answers and direction as we move forward. And so I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 24. This is what they were referring to when you go back in the law of Moses and where a lot of their confusion stemmed from. Deuteronomy 24 verse 1 says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house when she has departed from his house and goes and becomes another man's wife. If the latter husband detests her, and writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house, or if the latter husband dies who took her as his wife, then her former husband who, who divorced her must not take her back uh, to be his wife after she has been defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So we can see that some of these laws were giving, given as at least a little bit of a deterrent. He said, man, you send her out and she connects with somebody else, you don't, you're not getting her back. With some, they might think, well... I can send her off, and then after a while, if I, you know, if I kind of like her, I'll just have her come back. And basically wanting to live without any kind of moral standards at all and just, you know, do whatever he wants. But he said, no, you can't do that. But look at this phrase here, back in verse 1. He says, because he has found some uncleanness in her. That's the language that caused a whole lot of confusion and that ultimately got expanded into meaning almost anything Uh, a couple other translations I looked up one said uh, uh, one one basically said if you find some indecency in her another one said if you find something wrong with her (laughs) I guess you can kind of see how they were confused and and ended up opening this, this thing up to mean anything If you find anything wrong with her, you can go ahead and divorce her. (laughs) Ladies, don't take offense, but there's something wrong with all of you. And all men. Are you listening? (laughs) I almost got stoned again there. Just just, saw the rocks going up. I was sweating up here. Man, hold on. 
I know people are getting shot in churches these days, but <laughs> ushers. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's not a perfect person in every way uh, in any marriage. And if re- someone's really that carnal, if you find anything wrong with her, you can go ahead and divorce her. And by the way, we're using the language that they're using in the Bible. Um, however, I understand this is not all about a man putting away his wife. These things happen the other way too. It's not all one side or the other side. It's both sides and both uh, husband and wife can be involved in doing the wrong thing. And uh, of course, in, in their day, the women had very few rights. And one of the reasons why Moses permitted them to write a certificate of divorce is because a woman in their day could be put out. She burned the food, she's put out and out of the house, but she's not divorced. What that means is she can't do anything. She can't get married to anybody else because legally she's still divorced. And so God didn't, she's still married. God didn't legally, uh, God, now you messed me all up. Or I messed myself up. God uh, didn't create divorce. He didn't want it, but it was happening. The Bible recognizes that it was happening, and so they gave some regulation to it. Again, otherwise, women got the really bad end of the deal here because they were put out, yet they couldn't marry anybody else. The certificate of divorce was so that they could marry somebody else, so that they could get involved in something else and not just be kind of out in no man's land, married, but the guy put you out, and so they couldn't do anything. They had no rights. And so that was really a difficult situation for, for, for them to be in. But let's get back again to Jesus. He was opposed to divorce for any cause, wasn't he? Divorce for any cause. Can I just get divorced for any reason? No. No. We ought to have much higher standards than that. I want you to look at Luke chapter 16 with me today as well. As I say some of these things that I've said and am about to say, uh, I think everyone should understand that I am not in any way condoning or encouraging, even for a moment, people to get divorced. I just don't think it has to be a life sentence of condemnation. And they have to live with a scarlet letter on them the rest of of their lives. Where they, where they have to uh, be treated as second-class citizens, can never be used of God again, and any of that stuff. I don't think that's the heart of God. I don't think that's what Jesus intended. And, and watch this. Think about this for a moment. If Jesus was really teaching that in Matthew 19 and other places, that anyone who was divorced, uh, and if they ever remarried, then they are perpetually adulterers for the rest of their life, then why didn't he treat people that way? Why when he encountered like the woman caught in adultery or the woman at the well, did he act with such grace and kindness and mercy and forgiveness and restoration? He didn't come down on them like many in the church world do today. That never gives someone a break again. Man, you do that, you've destroyed your life. Jesus didn't say that. He restored people. He gave them hope. Maybe we'll look at some of those things in detail later. But I think it's important to understand if Jesus taught what a lot of people thought he taught in Matthew 19, today he would have acted that out in practical application towards those he met who were divorced. But yet he didn't. 
I think that means what we have taken it to mean for so long in church world is not what Jesus meant. He was dealing with these hypocrites, these loophole finders, these people who are basically wanting to live loose, adulterous lives and justify it with a piece of paper. Because after all, you know, I'm an upstanding citizen, want to do what's right, want to obey the law, want to honor God, want to have integrity, so I'll just follow the guidelines. And they had all these lists. These are all legitimate reasons. He's saying, man, you're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing as someone who just has no commitment and no morals whatsoever. But again, it's not a blanket statement that covers everybody's circumstance and everybody's situation and condemns them to uh, a second-class status. Uh, Luke chapter 16. Everybody got it? Verse 15. And he said to them, well, because, you know, the Pharisees here were talking to him again. He said, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. See, see, this is what a lot of people are trying to do. They want to feel justified before people. Sometimes I have people come to me, and maybe because I'm a pastor or something, but if they've been divorced or going through one, they want to immediately explain. This is why I'm doing it. That jerk did this, this, and this, and he did this to me, did this to me. He never did this for me, he never did this for me. And I always want to explain. I guess the assumption is that, well, if you're going through a divorce, I'm immediately going to think the worst and think, well, you're just a lousy human being because you're, bless God, you're getting divorced. That's just terrible. I can't believe it. Ah, just, you know, just what, what do you think you're doing? That's not the way I'm looking at anybody. For one, and this is true for all of us now, you can't accurately just look at someone because they've been divorced, you know that they were just a bad person. You don't know if they, they might have been a great spouse and very committed to the marriage and the other person was the problem. And I realize most of the time it's two people involved in any conflict, but there are some situations where one person doesn't even give the other one a chance and they're just out of there. How, but here's another side. Maybe they were the problem. And maybe they acknowledged it. Maybe they got forgiveness. Either way, we're not supposed to be looking at And I don't do this. If you've been divorced, I'm not going to treat you any different. And think, oh, you're just a lousy person. Well, if you've never asked forgiveness for the things that you have done. And again, I'm not saying it was all your deal. I don't know that. How can I know that? But people should repent. You don't have to be justified this way. Be justified this way. And I'm telling you, no matter what's happened in your life, the blood of Jesus is more powerful than it. I, again, if someone says, wow, that's good news. I've been kind of not liking my spouse, and so I can just get out of this and repent. Man, you got other problems. <laughs> your heart's not right before God. You know what I'm talking about? Because some people are so concerned if you preach a message of grace that people are going to go out and do whatever they want to do and just ask for forgiveness. And that's, and that's a different issue in their lives then. If we're sinning just because we know we can pull out the forgiveness card, uh, there's, there's other commitment issues in our lives. And I wonder, are you even saved that you even think that way? Okay. Anyway, Luke, 15, Luke 16, again, skip down to verse 18. 
This is where Jesus said, made the similar statement. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. There was a man, a Dr. Young from Oral Roberts University, uh, apparently an expert in Greek language. He, he, he said something about this verse I thought is very interesting. He said, perhaps in English one could better capture the meaning of the saying by translating it, everyone who divorces his wife in order to marry another commits adultery. He said, in the Greek language, the verb used here can have a causative sense. It's not just a person who divorces and marries another. It is a person who divorces in order to marry another. If a man marries a woman who obtained a divorce merely for the sake of her second marriage, then it is considered adultery also. And again, I... I'm not going to say emphatically about the language. I don't, I'm not in a position where, where I can do that. But I can say that seems to line up with the spirit of what Jesus was saying when he's talking to these people who just want to get divorced for any reason. Just legalized adultery. Right? They're just going from one to another. Why? They're divorcing for the reason of another person. He's saying Listen, look at what you're doing. That's basically the same thing. You're just, that's the same thing as just going out and committing adultery. You just have a piece of paper in your pocket while the other person doesn't. Everybody hear what I'm coming from here? Again, if this is brand new thinking, and you know, wow, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's what the Lord really meant there. Well, you consider it, and uh, the Lord will help you to understand and, and keep an open mind concerning these things. But let's look at one more scripture today in Matthew 12 before we finish. Matthew chapter 12. And Jesus had some words here. Uh, for again, these Pharisees. And he said in verse 7, But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. There's a lot of that going on today where people are condemning the guiltless. I don't want to be a part of condemning every person who's had a failed marriage and being a part of the problem instead of the solution. I don't say those things so that people can deny any part that they had. I get concerned from one standpoint when people say, you know, about all their relational failures. They're always blaming someone else. They did this and they did this and they did this. I'm only concerned from this standpoint. Are you acknowledging any shortcoming or failure on your own part? I mean, if there's not any, fine. That's rare. But, but most of the time, there is. And if you don't acknowledge that, you don't, you know, we're forgiven by confessing. I acknowledge. That's when God works something special in our hearts. Also, if a person ever wants to move forward, how many know it's important for them to fess up to the issues that they have, the problems they've experienced in the past? You don't have to be beat up over it, but you do have to acknowledge, man, I need to grow. I need to, I need to learn some things. I need to change the way I treat people. I need to learn how to walk in the love of God so that I don't 
end up in the same situation again. Okay. We oftentimes will look at scriptures like Malachi where the Lord said that he hates divorce. and We want to pound it real hard. God hates divorce. He hates it. Terrible thing. And uh, I don't want to take anything away from that. God does hate divorce. I think probably one of the reasons why he hates divorce is because it hurts a lot of people. Ravages people's emotions and hearts and minds. And, and it's a terrible thing. It's one of the reasons God hates it. But you know, I think we err if we take a relationship that has been hell on earth. Has had all kinds of terrible things happening. And we point to the end of it and say, God hates that. Yes, he does. But you know what? There's some other things in that relationship he hates too. It's not just the divorce that God hates. It's all the other junk that led up to the, the divorce he hates. There's a, I think there's a lot of stuff in relationships and marriages today. People are together. They're committed to each other. And there's a lot of things in their relationship that God hates. There's a lot of activity, there's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of abuse, a lot of suffering within a relationship. And yet too often in the church we want to immediately point to the end. Oh, that's the problem. No, that's probably a result of a lot of other problems. And the Lord really wants to work on fixing all that other stuff so that the hateful thing of divorce doesn't have to take place. But again, God's not just assigning us to a death sentence, man. You're married and it's hell on earth, but bless God, you better stay there. It's not really about that. You're married and He wants you to have heaven on earth so that you're not even thinking about the hateful thing. Not even thinking about divorce. But all the treacherous dealings that people have, have going on in their relationships, that's what God wants to solve. That what, that's what He wants to give us answers for. Not just condemning the person who actually went through a divorce. Amen. And the Lord's going to give us some more and more answers. But I think it's important from this point for us to understand that the Lord has shed His blood for us. And He washes away every sin. For those who are guilty, and you've, man... Maybe things in your past, you've blown it. Admit, admit it. If you've, if you've already confessed these things to the Lord, then move on. Don't admit it anymore. Just move on. It's done. If you've got things that, man, yeah, I was a problem and I never admitted anything, I would encourage you to deal with that between you and the Lord. But then you know what? God hasn't given up on you. He's not kicking you to the curb and saying, all right, you're on your own now, you ugly divorced person. Man, you had the goal, the, just the rebellion, rebellious heart to get remarried. What an awful person you are. I, listen to me. I don't believe the Lord's saying that to us. I don't believe that's his word. Say, what about the other scriptures? I want to look at some of the other scriptures, and we'll, we'll deal with that uh, next time. And we'll look at New Testament, stuff that was written directly to us about the same subject and we'll find out some very interesting things and uh, are there ever situations where uh, there are quote legitimate Bible reasons um, for a person to get divorced there actually are 
all right? And uh, again, we don't present things with, a, with an attitude of this is your way out. But there are some things we should understand, whether it's for ourselves or for helping other people. But the Lord is still full of truth, which is a standard, but He's also full of mercy, also full of, full of help. And uh, thank God it's there because we need it. Amen. Father, thank You today. Thank You so much for Your presence, for Your Word. Thank You for the things You've spoken to our hearts. Lord, we treasure and we relish them. Lord, for those who are hearing things today that might be different than what they've thought and what they've heard before. Lord, I'm not the final authority on this. and You know that and I know that and, hope, and they know that. But Lord, teach and, and help us to understand. Give us revelation, clarity, insight into, into these subjects so that we can know your will and know your ways, know your plan, and so that we can walk in these uh, divine institutions that you've created and do it in a God-honoring way and in a successful way that brings fulfillment and pleasure to all who are involved. For this we thank you. We believe you're leading us and directing our steps today. And we thank you for your help. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Lord. Father, I do pray for those who've come to church this morning that are not saved, those who are...